Hi, welcome to the Dan Bradbury podcast where turnover is vanity, profit is sanity, and cash is king. In this podcast, I'll bring you resources, tips, interviews, and lots more to help to grow your business and make it less dependent on you. Welcome to the Dan Bradbury podcast. My name is Topher Morrison, sitting in for Dan as he is stuck in Facebook jail. We are currently creating a GoFundMe page to help raise funds to pay the bail. Okay, I'm being told that that's actually not a real thing and there's no such thing as Facebook jail. He's actually getting ready for the Ultimate Entrepreneur Mastermind coming up June 22nd and 23rd in Warwick. Tickets still available. If you'd like to come, we'd love to have you there. If you're COVID conscious, we have a way for you to zoom on into the program as well. It's a great opportunity for you to meet with some other founders, CEOs of companies and help dissect your business, pick it apart, find out what's working, find out what's not, how to fix it and move on and prosper past the post-pandemic time period. That's a lot of P's there. Uh, Anyway, today, the reason I'm guest hosting is because I get the privilege of interviewing some very cool contestants that are competing at a competition at the Mastermind program on June 22nd, 23rd, called The Ultimate Entrepreneur. They're competing for a 10,000-pound cash prize and bragging rights to earn the title of Ultimate Entrepreneur. Uh, And that being said, what we're going to do today is find out how this gentleman likes to pitch his business. What did he do during COVID? Did he have a setback? Did it help his business out? How did he manage the the inner workings of that? So we're going to get him onto this program as quickly as we can. His name is Salvatore Notaro with Vivo Life. They are a nutritional-based and performance training company. So it'll be interesting to see how he pivoted, if he had to pivot, or how he modified, simply because in the fitness world, a lot of companies suffered. So we'll see how he did. Uh, Hopefully... You'll enjoy hearing about him and finding about his story, and then maybe you want to come meet him in person in Warwick, June 22nd and 23rd at the Ultimate Entrepreneur Mastermind. So without further ado, please welcome to the program, Salvatore Notaro from Vivo Life. Salvatore, my friend, how are you? Thank you for being on the program. Appreciate you being here. Hello. Yeah, I really appreciate it too. And um, I wanted to say, actually, I've seen you on stage a few times. So it's a real sort of privilege sort of um, talking oh. one-on-one. Uh, so he's, um, thanks, mate. Up, I, uh, I don't know if it's a privilege as much as it is a consolation. But hey, listen, I appreciate the compliment. No, no doubt about it. Well, we're going to get to meet and be on stage together uh, June 22nd mm. and 23rd at the Ultimate Entrepreneur Mastermind. Are you excited for the competition? You ready to go? Yeah, so it's really exciting. Again, I've been following people like Dan Bradbury and and digital marketer team like Ryan Dice and stuff. So um, I used to watch them on stage and absorb everything they had to say and um, implemented a lot of it in vivo. And uh, it's just great to now be also showing my success on stage. So yeah, it's good to reflect. How long have you been in the mastermind program with Dan? Come three to four years now. Um, Time flies and... um, yeah, I'd say, but yeah, well, I remember joining and Vivo was doing about 30 grand a month or 20 grand, I think probably even 15 grand a month. We did our first 1 million pound month in last November. So, um, yeah, so it's that's, been that's since early, early days. To Dan's mastermind, if you were doing 15 yeah. grand a month and now you're doing a million a month. I can see why you're well, doing that's a mastermind for sure. Well, exactly. 
and um, and I would point, yeah, well, a big part of it. This. Let's uh, talk about your business, right? Because uh, the first thing I always like to do, I mean, I'm a pitch guy, so I'm always fascinated by how people pitch their business. So if you're at a, a social event or a networking event or something like that, somebody walks up and, and they say, you know, hey, what do you do for a living? What do you tell them? What's your pitch? Let's, let's hear your pitch right now. Yeah, so if it was just someone, yeah, who I was meeting, I would just generally say that, that we, we create um, effective plant-based health supplements, you know, no artificial like fillers, colors, or binders, and um, and no false promises. But we generally lean towards if you're going towards a more plant-based diet, we we got more specific plant-based supplements to to support that. Whether you need extra protein or the right vitamins and minerals, or you know, if you're moving on a plant-based diet, you'd generally be lacking omega-3 from DHA and EPA, which you would normally get from fish. But rather than going to the fish, go, go straight to the algae. So we have the omega-3. So I'd certainly say that's where we're more positioned towards. But um, yeah. So so you used the term plant-based several times in that pitch. You never once used the term vegan or vegan or vegetarian. What's your reason for not using the socially common term of vegetarian versus plant-based, I'm curious. I feel plant-based is a bit more open mm-hmm. and we want we want to talk to a wider audience because we don't want to, um, even though vegan is what we're advocates for, I'm vegan myself and, and the company is a vegan company, we want to make sure we... We, inspire, we want to inspire people to improve their health while supporting the planet we live on and animals we share it with. But we don't want to um, we don't want to box people out, and we don't want to also we want to make people feel comfortable to go do it at your own speed. I think plant based is a softer approach, more wider and accepting. Um, I do remember going to your website, and there were certain products that had like the vegan icon or logo or something like that. So the whole concept is. If you use the term vegan or vegetarian, you pretty much wall off anybody who's an omnivore or uh, are, are, well, most humans aren't carnivores, they don't eat strictly meat. But, uh, but by using plant-based, then you kind of open the door and welcome people that might, may, might be more omniv- omnivorous to say, listen, we're not excluding you. You, you. you still want plant-based foods, even if you eat meats. And so it's a way of kind of hopefully casting a wider net. Interesting. Yeah, cool. So let's talk about your, let's talk about your business. Uh, let's talk about COVID. You were... One of the one of the few in the competition who didn't necessarily experience a huge setback as a result of COVID, but yet you did face your own challenges with regard to, you know, how do you market during a, a, a pandemic and how do you prevent yourself from almost exploiting on people's fears by talking about health? So how did you navigate? As, well, first off, let's do this. Let's talk numbers. What were you doing in revenue prior to COVID? Yeah, so pre pre COVID, we did four point six million in two thousand nineteen, and then during two thousand twenty, we grew from four point six million to nine point one million, and like net profit went from two hundred eighty one grand to five hundred and fifty one grand. So we doubled our net profit, and then we onboarded fifty thousand new customers to the community. And because wow. we pledged to plant trees per order, yeah. we also planted two hundred and twenty six thousand trees. So That's yeah. Incredible we did. Salvatore. Mm. Phenomenal. So so you've you you I'm going back in my brain doing the math there, but you you doubled your revenue your profit, you almost doubled your revenue, which is impressive when your profit goes up bigger than your revenue. But uh, um what uh 
So, so obviously you didn't have a setback from COVID. Um, in fact, if anything, you were almost, and I don't want to use the word blessed from COVID, but there was a certain privilege there that apparently your company did real well when people are shopping online for nutritional supplements to stay healthy. Let me ask you this. How did you navigate the, the space of we want to appeal to people, we want to motivate them to buy our products, but yet we also don't want to be seen as somebody who's exploiting those fears and trying, I think you even used the term, you don't want to give false promises. So how did you and your team navigate that when COVID hit to say, okay, well, did you did you change your messaging at all? And if you did, how did you change it in a way where it wasn't exploitative, but it was still beneficial for the viewer and beneficial for you? Yeah, so generally, like I say, we were really fortunate to be an e-commerce company that, that manufactures plants supplements during a recession that, well, I guess during a lockdown and during COVID, where we could continue trading because we, we produce food supplements. So we could continue trading and being online e-commerce, we, we could access the customers as normal. If anything, people flooded from online. So we actually opened up a secondary audience that we wouldn't we normally we've got a very kind of core niche audience that really um that really understand the quality of our product. You start to get a second interest, and that's people generally um who were fearful, a bit more conscious of, of their health. Is that I feel like this lockdown's been been more about um health consciousness yeah. and sustainability. Yeah. So we were very health we're obviously a health company and we're all about sustainability so i think um yeah so we had this extra layer of interest but um so yeah we're very fortunate and, and privileged to do that and i think um i guess there's that saying isn't it when i guess being ready meets meets opportunity and i just think we were ready and an opportunity came our way and we didn't want to exploit as in go all right, your immunity, buy our products, they're going to help your immunity and stuff like that. We didn't want to exploit, but we carefully for certain things like we sell plant-based vegan um, vitamin D3 and the government was backing that and it has got health claims attached to it. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, exactly. So like situations like that and then just generally, um, we generally just keeping, we generally just stuck to what we did and we just generally just amplified it. Yeah, so we just, but we had this other group, sort of a wave of people just came in, came in our direction. But um, I wouldn't say apart from particular products like D3, but we had to do other things like generally um, transferring goods. Yeah, I was going to so, ask you about your the, supply chains because even, yeah, though, I say that was even the though people want to buy the product online, if there aren't employees yeah. in the warehouse to ship that, that's problematic as well. Did you have any supply chain issues or warehousing? Yeah, so that was the difficult part. So, well, first of all, producing the goods, um, putting in COVID regulations means less people in the building. So we have to still produce the symptom, well, more, less people. And um, so that was one thing. And then, then two, I would say, as in transferring goods, because the planes got... Um, weren't in the sky no more, that that's the quickest way to move, transfer from UK to USA or UK to Europe. So we then made that be sent by either, yeah, by sea, by ship. Wow. But ships to um, USA is like more like four to eight weeks when a yeah. plane is 10 days. So what it is, we then have to increase our stock holdings. So we're holding more. And also we held 
we wanted to maybe if we increase that by 20%, if we increase by 20, 20%, that's another 200 grand of cash tied up in stock. But to be on the safe side, we, we increased our stock levels. We still didn't know at any point when that would, um, you know, at one point they could stop our transferring of goods. And then just generally the cost of transferring goods just went up almost by twofold. Mm. And um, so slow down transferring costs went up by twofold. But um, but we did manage to extend our factories. We built a whole, a whole new extension. We tripled the size of our factory. We also implemented semi-automated equipment, which normally we would like to have tested it in Spain, but we had to do it on a video call. Mm. And then we test the equipment. Then we migrated the equipment we were sorry, we transferred the equipment over to the UK. So we extended our factory, held more stock, held more stock in the USA and held more stock in Europe. And um yeah, so, so I, I guess I'd say that was the most difficult part, I would yeah. say. I mean, um, I've got some with the data. questions for you then, because what you're talking about there is it, it like it's really easy for some people to sit there and go, Man, he was so lucky because people just started ordering more product and he was rolling in the dough and he was fat and happy and making money. <laughs> But the reality is you, I'm going to guess, unless you were just incredibly cash rich and just had tons of cash in the bank, you probably, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, probably had some cash flow issues just in terms of increasing your stock, buying the new equipment. All of this stuff had to happen at the same time and you still had to satisfy your current demand that you had. So how did you go about leveraging your financial position in such a way to be able to increase your stock, spend more money on shipping? Did you did you have to extend that cost to the customers and charge them more for shipping? Or did you eat that cost yourself? Did you have to get some creative financing in order to bring in? Or are you just cash rich enough that you were able to just bankroll the whole thing? Yeah, so well, one thing we learned the skill before was the importance of cash flow. Yeah. Like that's the fuel that keeps the business going. And as you were working as part of Dan Bradbury's mastermind, they literally, they nail that home every, every, every meeting we have. So I have a, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's it. So we're really hot on cash flow forecast. So that's, we, we got an annual forecast. So I'd probably say having that skill homed in before, I think real shine during this situation. Because there's multiple ways you can pull it, you know, your suppliers can give you invoices and, um, yeah, and and I think generally being in e-commerce, when you get a payment for goods, you, the money comes in five days later. But um, and retail, if anything, we we changed the strategy of retail. We we just said, look, focus on retention, don't grow retail customers, because obviously, you know, people were lo- locked in their houses, so they could only buy online. But I would probably say we were fortunate enough to have a certain amount of cash in the bank and um and good good um. Good um, with the suppliers, we have good payment terms. But actually, when we dialed this all up, like you say, held twenty percent more stock, and um, that we actually could cash flow ourselves. We didn't need to go to the bank to get any more money. But yeah, but I think that paid off because of our skill set before. By the way, and, um, what, what so, you just said yeah. is really important because mm. the time to develop financial literacy is not during a pandemic. The time to develop financial literacy is not when the wheels are falling off of your car and you're like, oh, what do we do? The fact True. that you would develop that, 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 you know, mastered the language of finance, largely probably, uh, you know, I mean, he's not here, so we can talk about him. You probably got to give a lot of credit to Dan that because he is just like a broken record when it comes to your cat 13-week cash flow and knowing that. So by him driving that home and helping you to develop that financial language, 
you were able to pivot pretty quickly, look at your numbers, make the adjustments necessary and do that. Whereas if you wouldn't have had that that literacy available to you, I could have easily seen the wheels could have fallen off this company because companies do go out of business because they don't know how to handle the growth and they just manage it poorly. And then they fall apart. So it's fantastic that you were able to do that. Really. That's a really good point. And I do think it's worth yeah, just yeah, confirming that because I always had this assumption like with when you get successful, the profit comes, the cash comes. It's like the other way around until you learn how to manage cash, until you learn how to make a profit, yeah. then success comes. Yeah. People think it just comes later. And yeah, you might have a wave come in your direction, which might make make you go in your favor but as soon as that wave goes back yeah. if you haven't but it is a skill yeah. and and this is always something we want to be careful of as as we grow and and as we grow the team we want to make sure the team has financial literacy all the way one thing we found is a smaller company just so you know during lockdown i'll get into it but we went to recruit 50 well 45 people mm-hmm. so we grew from a 20 25 person company by the end of lockdown we had 76 people okay. and um um, but what we found is when we were smaller, between us, the financial literacy might have been higher as ratio because there might be four to six people of very financial literate. But as you get a growing team on, there's only like four or five people talking about the reality of numbers and the, and the rest of the team aren't. Yes. So we're just in the process of working that out. How do we all align? And we got and for it because we want to educate them to have financial literacy. At least if they have it, even if they leave Vivo, they can take that wherever they want because it's a skill set and once you learn it. But yeah, and Dan Bradbury, yeah, he nailed that home for like the last three or four years, three years before the lockdown. But yeah, I think it's at times like that, then yeah, you're ready, aren't you? Yeah. So when you do have a problem, you're um you're ready prepared. But yeah, so and, and also, yeah, by the way, it's a skill. You, you also realize the importance of it to where now you're educating your staff, which is really commendable, dude, because it, mm. it just really easy to sit there and go, well, the four or five guys, we got it, or four or five people, we got it. I'm not assuming it's all guys. It could be some women in there as well, right? Mm. Um, but to sit there and think, oh, all of our, our, our four or five people here, we got it nailed. We can, we can run it for the rest of the group. It's not true, right? You want to have everybody mm. to be able to have some level of base knowledge of that financial literacy. There's a lot of lessons in this podcast, my friend, that that I wouldn't have expected, by the way, because before we got on, I was really thinking, man, I'll bet he just saw a tank in his business. Because I was thinking you were more fitness-based versus nutrition based upon the campaign that you have about um, perform like an animal. I love Mm. that, by the way. I thought the video on your website was really cool. By the way, let's get you some business. We'll throw your website up on the screen so people can go check it out as well. I thought it was a really cool analogy where you were talking about the difference between, I think it was was like a Mustang and a Rhino and a Gorilla. Is that what it was? Yeah, that's right. um, Well, yeah, it's Gorilla, the the horse, Horse. and then, um, yeah. Yeah. And the rhino. So um, is that right on the rhino. Is that yeah, the, the rhino. rhino. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I love picking that. So, so if if your business were an animal, what animal would it be then? Are are you a, are you a rhino? Are you a horse? Or are you a gorilla? What do you think? I'd probably say only mindset I'm in at the moment. It probably does feel more like a um a rhino because yeah. you kind of basically lockdown. We were very fortunate yeah. in the position we were in. We actually got hit by Brexit. Mm-hmm. To play supply chain overnight because yeah. we couldn't get back into Europe. Oh, geez. so you were one of those people last... with the trucks on the side of the road waiting to get across. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and it basically took our whole, basically, our Europe 
um, it's a third of our revenue, about 300 grand a month. Yeah. It took took that out for two to three months. So that that was our most testing time. Yeah. So um, so when I think, I'm just sort of thinking currently it feels like a rhino because we literally had to like, we had to every day be working to get back in Europe, but we're back in now, the bridge is built, but we have to build it back ourselves because the, um, yeah. But um, but yeah, so I'll probably say, but yeah, with the um, perform like an animal, what we're trying to do is inspire people, but we don't want to tell people this is how you should be. We don't want to preach. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and what we want to do is help people draw parallels between you know, like we are very similar to animals and like, perform like an animal yeah. and um, to, to be, be compassionate and also um, showing that plant-based animals, look how powerful they are on a plant-based diet. So um, we want to help just draw a little power like that whilst empowering people of better fitness. So um, yeah, it's Sounds a bit great. of a different, different I, approach. I could probably do a whole nother podcast just on nutrition, just learning from you as well. So fortunately, we don't have the time for that. But uh, listen, let's let's get you some business here. Uh, let's go to vivolife.co.uk. That's your website where people can purchase some product for you and test out your plant-based nutritional goods, learn about what kind of an animal you want to perform like as well. By the way, uh, I, I'm more like a chimp. I just scream around and wave my arms a lot. That's that's mine. Uh, so <laughs> when you get the the, uh, you know, the the chimp training program, that's going to be all about me. Someday, maybe I can get up yeah. to a gorilla, but I need, to, I need to get a little bit more muscle on my body. Um, uh, Salvatore, it's a real cool honor to meet you, my friend. I can't wait to uh, share the stage with you uh, June 22nd and <laughs> 23rd in Warwick at the Ultimate Entrepreneur Mastermind, where you, amongst nine other Entrepreneur is going to be competing for a 10,000-pound cash prize and bragging rights to be the ultimate entrepreneur. I'd say you're in the running for that one, my friend. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, For those of you who'd like to get tickets, you can go to the uh, uh, website that we'll put up on the screen. We'd love to have you there. You can be in person and you can meet Salvatore and the other contestants. Uh, But if you're also COVID conscious and you'd like to come in via Zoom, we can set you up for that as well. So you can either attend virtually or live June 22nd and 23rd at the Ultimate Entrepreneur Mastermind. My honor to have you here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. Salvatore, thank, thank you, you for being on the show, my friend. Excellent. Thanks. Great Take chatting care. to you. Look yeah. forward to seeing the person. Cheers, mate. Take have care. Cheers. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Three things you need to do now. Number one, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you do not miss an episode. Also, get on over to Amazon to get a copy of my latest book, Turnover is Vanity, Profit is Sanity, Nine and a Half Steps to Improving Your Profits and Cash Flow. Also, join our Facebook group, the Turnover is Vanity, Profit is Sanity community to connect with other business owners.